1: Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, and those who don't identify as either, you are listening to Ratchet and Respectable with Demetria L. Lucas. Oh, I have a gigantic sigh of relief. One of the really big projects that I was working on, the first part of it, has come to a close. I was getting the merch ready for this October drop. I finally got the full order in it is literally a ton of merch like the shipping it's 2200 and then some pounds that's a lot of merchandise but that is what is coming my way and then your way in October Um, I'm still working out the actual launch date it will be the middle of October that's all I can tell you for now I'll also give you a way to subscribe so you can pre-order before it goes on sale for the casual podcast listeners. If you're a regular podcast listener and you subscribe, um, you'll get first dibs on all the merch. I'm really excited about it. I've been wanting to put the logo for the podcast on the shirts for a while. I asked you all on Instagram. and I'm like, what, what are your favorite demiisms from the podcast? There are some things that I know that I say a lot because I hear it when I edit. Like, you know, but that's not the point or... Why? In the Lori Harvey voice. Like, I'm aware of stuff like that. When I asked for my demi because I'm going to put some of the quotes on different shirts, um, a lot of y'all were like, so, so good. And I was like, I had no idea I said that. But yeah, so that order is in. There is a ton of merch. The feature story is in and edited. My my editor was very happy with it. I actually went back and read it because I was like, yo, she's wildin' And I was like, oh, actually, that's like, it's pretty good. I actually liked it. So hopefully you will enjoy it. When it comes out in the holiday issue. I haven't done anything. Because I've just been glued to my laptop. Like 14 and 16 hour days for the last couple of days. Trying to get this merch thing situated. Because I think I'm going back to the East Coast for a bop. It's technically Emmy weekend in LA. But it's also fake CBC weekend in DC. It's not an official CBC. But there are CBC-esque events. Shout out to Stephanie and Quentin. From the collective pack, they're doing a concert, a fundraiser um, with D-Nice and Nas. And as of right now, I don't have a ticket to the event and I don't have a ticket to D.C. But, you know, I have between now and six o'clock on Saturday to secure both. There's plenty of time. So maybe I'll go to D.C. this weekend. I don't know. I may do nothing. I may just stay in L.A. because there are a bunch of people in town for the Emmys um, that I would love to see. So maybe I should just stay here and play. I don't know. I'll sleep on it and make a decision. Because again, I have till Saturday at 6 p.m. to arrive. So we'll see. Lots of good news this week. Little Nas X, his new album just came out. I'm recording on Thursday night, September 16th at 11.07 p.m. But it looks like he dropped like a bunch of videos. One of them being this song, That's What I Want. And the video is amazing. It's amazing. If you're online, you've probably seen it by now because every time he drops something, it's a huge controversy. But he's a football player and he's got on a whole pink getup, And there's a, you know, naked shower locker room sex scene that's pretty graphic. And then there's like Brokeback Mountain vibes. And then I think there's like a Beyonce vibe. There's a couple other illusions that I missed, but it's very... Big production, very like early 2000s, huge pop star, money, money, money spent type video. And it's not all CGI. I'm so sick of people in these damn CGI videos. I know it was COVID. You had to green screen everything. I get it. But it was a very like early 2000s, poppy, big, big, big video. There's a church. There's a wedding dress. There's Billy Porter. There's a lot going on. And I've told you all of that and still I've given like nothing away. For this video. I'm sitting here. I've still got the YouTube page pulled up. But there's another video that dropped 48 minutes ago. One of me featuring Elton John. And then the Montero show. Which that's Little Nas X and that horrible um, sexual chocolate. What was the guy's name from? Um, the minister with the jury curl. And a powder blue suit from Coming to America. He's wearing that hair as the TV host. I think that's who he showed up as... At the on the red carpet at the MTV Awards, that hair was very confusing. I was like, I mean, I'm all for your self expression, sir, but this is this hair. So there's That's What I Want video, and then there's One of Me featuring Elton John that dropped today, and then Life After Salem that also dropped today. I, th- I was like, I think he just pulled a Beyonce and dropped a video for every song on the album, but he did it individually as opposed to like one long narrative he's done an amazing rollout like everyone their mom at least knows the album is coming you might not like it you might not want it but you know it's on its way he's very creative and he's a good entertainer but he's also a great business person the rollout for this has just been phenomenal also I think sometimes people talk about him and they don't talk about how good his music is I mean, he does these very troll-esque things and he knows how to get people's attention and make them talk and cause controversy. That's what I want song. I actually love the song. I watched the video three or four times because that's how good it is. And then like I was just walking around cleaning up the loft to procrastinate. So we're all clear. And then I was just humming the song because it was so good. But I really, really love this kid. I love his presence in pop culture. He's so very, very necessary. Other good black news this week, the cookie and the magic, they celebrated their 30th anniversary. So happy anniversary to them. I was scrolling on Instagram earlier this week, I guess yesterday, and I saw a cookies page and, you know, she and magic were posed up in front of, um, a cute little setup. It was, it looked like, um, not a step and repeat, but something like that, but it had pictures of them through the years. But they were standing there in front of this, you know, this arrangement and it looked really nice. And then I swiped to the second picture and they were sitting on a couch in front of these two lit up trees. And I was like, oh, I wonder if they're at the Four Seasons. Like, I've been there. That looks familiar. And then I swiped again. Indeed not. They were not at the Four Seasons restaurant. They could have been at the Four Seasons hotel because they were sitting in a ballroom. And they were the only people in the ballroom. There was a couch. There was a table. That's where they were having their dinner. I think it might have been Candlelit. I wasn't really into the table. I was into what they were sitting on the couch doing, which was watching a private performance on stage by Frankie Beverly and Mays. They were sitting there and they were just, you know, like dancing in their seats. And then they got up and they were dancing apart. And then there was another video. Again, the two of them in the ballroom, Frankie Beverly and Mays, the whole band on stage just for them. And these two mofos are in the middle of the ballroom doing the electric slide together. Just the two of them. Just the two of them. They living. They living. I don't know if I can can live a magic cookie lifestyle, but if I could have more than a day. Some days like that here and there. I would like a private concert in a ballroom. I would like that very much. And even got to be Frankie Beverly and Mays. As much as I love Frankie Beverly and Mays, I've seen them a million times. They used to close out Essence Festival every year. You know who I would really want for a personal concert? Raheem Devon. He has that falsetto and he has like such beautiful emotion in his voice, and his voice is just so beautiful. But I would love if I could have Raheem Devon sing Ridiculous. I realized the other day that I had the the lyrics wrong. For years, I thought he was singing It's the Weight of Love and what it does. I was looking up the lyrics the other day and I was like, wait, he's not saying. I was like, the way of love and what it does. I thought that's what it was. And then when I looked up the lyrics, like it wouldn't come up. And I was like, that's weird. Why aren't the lyrics coming up? And then only to find that, you know, because that's not the words to the song. Oops. I love many Raheem Devon songs, but Ridiculous is my favorite. But to sit in the ballroom with my boo and watch Raheem Devon perform just for us, that would be like a dream come true. That's going to happen. I'm going to speak it into existence. <laughs> Even if it's just me sitting there on the couch and it's Raheem performing, I'm going to figure out a way to make that happen. What other good news is there? There's actually a lot this week. Uh The Time 100 came out. The cover that I see, I keep seeing everywhere is Meghan and Harry. There's much talk about the cover. Somebody tagged me into it the other day and was like, well, what do you think of this cover with Meghan and Harry? He's got on black and she has on white. And what do you think it means? I mean, I'm sure there's meaning to it. I, I, I don't care. Sometimes I don't really want to think about shit. Yes, I know that I analyze things for a living. And some things that I spend a great deal of time thinking about, like, really, it's it doesn't have the depth that sometimes I give it. And then other things, they might need to have more depth. I, I, I don't care. I think looking at the their cover, I think Megan's hair, I was like, I don't know how many tracks she added, but it looks luxurious. She looks amazing. She looks beautiful. Harry looks gorgeous. I think they've given him a, a full hairline and, and a fresh, full, fluffy head of hair. Because she has on white and because he has on black, he's standing behind her. She's clearly the focal point of the cover, kind of. In real life, Harry is much taller than her. It seems Megan is standing and Harry is sitting. So it looks that they it looks like they are the same height, that they are on equal standing here. It it reads to me as partnership. And I'm sure there's something to the biracial couple and one of them has on black and one of them has on white. But as long as they don't say some dumb shit like, you know, remember on um The Bachelor, one of the ladies asked, like Matt, like, what's your favorite animal? And he was like, I love pandas. Pandas, zebras, penguins, anything black and white. As long as they're not saying something ridiculous like that, I'm fine with it. But they look great. They look good. I'm reading this article on The Independent, which is a UK publication. They note that the Duke and Duchess of Sussex have been named by Time as two of the world's 100 most influential people. It marks the first time Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have posed together formally for a magazine cover shoot. The independent notes that the Duchess also appears to have made a subtle tribute to Diana. She's wearing one of Diana's watches. I you know what? I think I'm into fashion until like I read stuff like this. Y'all really know like all of Diana's jewelry and clothing and recognize it when it pops up on other people. I like fashion. I'm I'm not that into fashion to know things like that. The independent notes that the images coincide with Harry's 37th birthday. Happy birthday to the Harry, Prince Harry, who turned the plane around to see Meghan that one time. Literally, he turned the plane around. He was flying somewhere that crossed Canada. That's when they were dating. He was flying back home from somewhere or another. And Meghan was in Canada, and she was available. So he turned the plane around and went to see her. Look, when a man wants a woman, he does. We're going to talk about that a little later. We're going to talk about Nellie and Ashanti. And Nelly strolling, sauntering, gliding across the stage in the middle of a concert. Because the shortest distance between point A, that would be him, and point B, that would be Ashanti. The shortest distance was just going through a concert with millions of people watching, a live concert. He strolled right across the stage to get to that woman. We're going to talk about that in a little bit. We're also going to talk about who else is in this Time 100. It's very black and brown. I didn't write down all the names. I'm on the Time site now. Time 100, most influential people. Just scrolling through the list very quickly. There's Naomi Osaka. There's Britney Spears. I mean, she's not good black news, but she is good news. I heard she's engaged. I believe he's 27. He's much younger than her, but you know, wide backs, lots of energy. Probably still has his abs. I think it was Octavia Spencer who was like, get a prenup, sis think Britney's been married twice before one of them was only for 55 hours but the other one think he's the father of her two children but Britney Spears she's on the time 100 as written by Paris Hilton Paris writes yes we've watched Britney break records and deliver the world hit after hit but behind the scenes she survived more than a decade of trauma and abuse from her conservatorship in 2021 the battle cries of hashtag free Britney roared louder than ever from her global network of devoted fans and a concerned public, our hearts broke when Britney spoke about her pain. I do hope that conservatorship is coming to an end. Her father, once he stepped back from the conservatorship, he decided that it shouldn't it shouldn't exist at all. So Britney's actually going to get her life back, according to reports. So good for her. I'm just scrolling through this list to see the brown people or the people I like. This is divided into different categories. So Meghan and Harry are icons as Naomi Osaka. Brittany, we just spoke about. We're going into Pioneers now. Billie Eilish. It's written by Meg Thee Stallion. Ben Crump, civil rights lawyer. Aurora James. She's the designer with the the 15% pledge. I believe she designed AOC's dress for the Met Gala. Did you see the pictures? AOC, Congresswoman showed up at the Met Gala. She had in a white dress and in red letters it said tax the rich. And I was like, uh, who are you doing this for? I like AOC. I like her a lot. Um, but one of her big criticisms is that she does a lot of stuff that's very performative and provocative, but she does it to be seen and get attention. And I was like, yes, yeah, some, some of that criticism is actually quite accurate. But this is Aurora James. It's written by Edward Inneful. He is the editor in chief of British Vogue. He does an amazing job. I'm like, can y'all get American Vogue to look like British Vogue? I don't even buy American Vogue anymore. When I go to my newsstand, I get British Vogue. I don't even bother with American Vogue. Unless somebody really, really good is on the cover. But otherwise, like, yeah. Their Vogue is better. They got more people with melanin. It just it just is. Oh, wait. I'm looking at this bio. I knew NFL was the editor-in-chief of British Vogue. Oh, he's also the European editorial director of Vogue. All right, bruh. Get your money, black man. Get your money. I didn't know that I'm skipping over tons of people like mind you it's a hundred people and I'm only reading a few Titans Simone Biles I was on the phone with my mom the other day she was trying to get these tickets for Gladys Knight she's going to be at MGM my mother's very much a techie like give my mother like highbrow very difficult things to do and she'll figure it out in like two seconds buy tickets to a Gladys Knight concert off Ticketmaster needs assistance I just went ahead and bought the tickets and then sent them to her because her trying to do it just wasn't going over very well. When my mom was on the phone with me and she was on speaker, Simone Biles and the other gymnasts were testifying before Congress about the doctor who had raped them, many girls, over many years. And so part of the testimony was about the rape. And then the other part of it was they had talked to the FBI and the FBI had been very dismissive of their assaults. So Simone Biles and then some of the other gymnasts were all testifying and those stories. Like what I was just listening to in the background was like horrifying. I had to ask my mom, like, I was like, can you, can you turn that off or turn it down? I'm on the phone with you to help you get Gladys Knight tickets. And I'm listening to a woman. I think it was Simone Biles. It could have been one of the other women, girls when it happened. But they were like, yeah, like he he climbed on top of me and like assaulted me for an hour. I was like, oh my God. Those poor, poor, poor girls. That happened to you, ma'am. And you went on to be like the, the amazing medalist, the amazing goat of gymnast that you are. Acknowledge that this happened to her and she still has this level of talent, skill, discipline, right? That's her living with trauma. Imagine what she could have been without that weighing on her. We're not even getting 100% Simone Biles. We're getting Simone Biles with trauma. As great as she is, she could even be greater. It's an amazing young woman. And she's just two bits big. She's so tiny. But among titans, Simone Biles is listed. She has Her article is written by Serena Williams. There's also our dear Shonda Rhimes. There's Timbaland and Swiss Beats. Surely they're there for verses. Nicole Hannah Jones, her ordeal with UNC and taking her talents to Howard University. There's Allison Felix, track star. It's a lot of people. I told you it was very black, very brown. Little Nas X under artist Kate Winslet is there. I know she's not black, but mayor of East. Where is it? Mayor of East, Eastwood, Easttown. Mayor of Easttown. That was some good ass TV. Tracy Ellis Ross, Blue Blanket, Daniel. My mother loves him. Omar Sy, Lupin on Netflix. He's a black dude. He's on the list as well. There's some people I'm scrolling by simply because I can't pronounce their name. And I'm so sick of y'all like emailing me or DMing me about my poor pronunciation of names. I read y'all. I don't really watch like video and TV. I don't hear a lot of names pronounced. And please believe, I do go back through when I do the edits and I go to YouTube and I hear people's names pronounced. I suck at it. Y'all can tell me I ain't shit like every fucking day because y'all do. And y'all can continue to, but I don't really know how that's going to make me any better. So could y'all stop that, please? Kind of fucking annoying. Anyway, Kamala Harris. She's here. This is under, we went to a new category. We're under leaders now. There's Kamala Harris. That's obviously Joe Biden because, you know, he's president. There's Tucker Carlson. Obviously not black. He's a white nationalist. His name is going to come up later in the podcast when we talk about Nicki Minaj and that dumb shit with the big balls. The Stacey, Stacey Abrams. Donald Trump made the list. Look, it's a list of influential. It doesn't mean like upstanding and moral. The women of Red Table Talk, Gammy and Willow and Jada, they made the list. They're under innovators. Who else is on here? But yeah, it's a lot of people. And again, like I left a lot of people off. Congratulations to all those good folks. Being on the Time 100 is quite the accomplishment. Good for them. What else is going on? Oh, Courtney B. Vance. On Sunday. I think it was Sunday. It could have been Saturday. But I was watching the MTV Awards. And then I got this alert that Courtney B. Vance had won an Emmy. And I was like, oh, fuck. Did I miss the Emmys? Watching the MTV Awards? It turns out it was the Creative Arts Emmys, which is different than the Emmy Emmys, but it's part of the Emmys. Courtney B. Vance, he did win an award as Best Guest Actor for Lovecraft Country. He made such an impact on that show. Like, I forget that he died. Was it episode one? And he used his speech very wisely. He spoke of Michael K. Williams, the recently departed Michael K. Williams. He said, Michael did everything with his full heart open, with his infinite spirit, and with way too much style. May he rest in power and let us all honor his immense legacy by being a little more love forward, a little more endless in thought, and a little more swaggy in act. He also talked about the cancellation of the show, which, mind you, was dominated, I believe, for 18 Emmys. 18, confirmed. I'm reading this from Deadline. He said, quote, I'm very, very happy. And at the same time, I'm very sad because of Michael and because we're not still doing the show. Sidebar, infamously, HBO, despite the critical acclaim of Lovecraft Country, did not pick it up for a second season. And right after they canceled it, it got nominated for 18 Emmys. There's two shows that actually got nominated for more than that. One of them is The Crown. I think The Crown has 24. But 18 Emmys is nothing to like, shake a stick at. But And yet, the show is not coming back. Uh, Vance continues. He says, In my mind and in my spirit, it doesn't make sense. I'm sad for audiences that we don't get to see like Game of Thrones. We don't get to see seven years, eight years of following these characters and learning more about that time period and learning about our people and their struggles. So that's very painful for me as an actor. But congratulations to Courtney B. Vance. Do we need to go through who the Emmy nominees are? There's a lot of black folks in um, these Emmy categories. Let's look and see. I'm on the Entertainment Weekly site. They have a full list of who's nominated for Emmys. There's some good stuff. Outstanding drama series. Bridgerton. It's not black, but I love it. The Crown. I I just told you how much I love The Crown. Lovecraft Country. Pose. The Handmaid's Tale. It's not a bunch of black people in that, but it's one of my favorite shows. And This Is Us. I don't know. I can't call it. The Crown or Bridgerton will probably take that, in my opinion. Outstanding comedy series blackish is nominated i've never seen an episode of blackish you can revoke my black card if you need to that's fine outstanding lead actor in a drama series the duke was he a duke in bridgerton the light-skinned dude the lead i refuse to pronounce his name because i know i'm gonna butcher it and again i don't really want to hear y'all mouths about that you know i told you i had a friend that actually looks like exactly like this dude he's gorgeous he's like my brother like i he posted a picture once of like himself playing soccer, and he had like eight abs. And I was like, God damn. And then I realized it was him, and I was like, oh, shit. My bad. Shout out to Faraji. <laughs> also, outstanding lead actor in the drama series, Sterling K. Brown. Randall on This Is Us. Billy Porter from Pose. I would love to see him win. Because that final episode of Pose, when Billy went on to die, that, that was, woo. But also Sterling K. Brown, when he went and found his birth mom and he had that whole meltdown in the water. That was some good ass TV. Jonathan Majors, when Courtney Vance, when the uncle died on Lovecraft Country, that was some good ass acting. I don't know. Josh O'Connor in The Crown. I'm going to assume he played Prince Charles. That last season of The Crown, that was good TV too, with with uh, Charles and Diana and their marital woes. Oh, I can't call it that one. I would love to see Billy Porter, but I could also take any of the other people I named. Outstanding lead actress in a drama series. Uzu, I refuse to pronounce her last name. Suzanne, crazy eyes from Orange is the New Black. She recently got married, I saw. She didn't tell nobody. She didn't tell nobody she was dating. She didn't tell nobody she was engaged. She just popped up in a wedding dress with a husband. Congratulations to her. Elizabeth Moss from The Handmaid's Tale. She killed it last season. MJ Rodriguez from Pose. I love MJ. There are billboards all over LA encouraging, I guess not the Academy. I don't know who's Emmys. Emmys isn't the Academy, but encouraging the people who vote for the Emmys. But to vote for MJ Rodriguez, she would be the first trans woman think she's the first trans woman nominated for lead actress but she would be the first trans woman to win if she is uh if she was voted for lead actress so that would be really good for her I i think she does deserve it i think she did a really great job on this final season of pose outstanding supporting actor michael k williams is up for that also giancarlo esposito he's in the mandalorian i don't watch that show however giancarlo esposito is fucking amazing And everything I've ever seen him do ever since he was Big Brother Almighty. So I have faith that even though I haven't seen the show, he's probably really fucking amazing. I'm just going to go with Michael K. Williams because I don't know that he's been awarded for anything else. He didn't get one for Omar on the Wire, which he deserved. To my knowledge and off the top of my head, he didn't get anything for Chalky White when he was on um, Boardwalk Empire. I don't think he got nominated when he played... Queen Latifah's husband, what was that, Bessie? Outstanding supporting actress in a drama series. I don't recognize most of these names. There's a couple women from The Handmaid's Tale, including Samira Wiley. She was Poussey on Orange is the New Black. It's one, two, three, four. There's four people from The Handmaid's Tale, three people from The Crown, and then Ajwene Ellis played Hippolyta on Lovecraft Country. I'm biased. I would love to see that. Outstanding Limited Series. Mayor of Easttown. That was a really good show. I May Destroy You is on here. I don't think enough people watch that show. That was amazing TV. It was a hard watch. A lot of it is about sexual assault, sexual consent. It's a very, very difficult show to watch, especially if you have experience with assault or rape but it was a really 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 good show hard to watch but really really good the underground railroad that was on amazon i watched it the episode with the black people in the farm made the whole series worthwhile but that was a hard watch outstanding lead actress in a limited series or movies cynthia arrivo Despite the crazy shit that she said about black Americans, I actually like Cynthia Erivo, probably because I saw her on Broadway twice as Celie in The Color Purple, and she has a talent that cannot be denied. I love her voice. I love her on Broadway. I did not love her in *Genius Aretha. I just think it was a miscasting situation. Like, she could sing, but she doesn't give me Aretha notes. She doesn't channel it for me. That said, I tried to listen to the soundtrack with um with Jennifer Hudson, the Aretha soundtrack, and I think I got to like the first note and was like, ooh, I can't. And I love Jennifer Hudson's voice. But when I want to hear Aretha, I want to hear Aretha. I don't want to hear somebody else trying to sound like Aretha. It just doesn't work for me. Also in this category is Michaela Cole, I May Destroy You. I would love to see her win it. Outstanding Supporting Actor, Anthony Ramos in Hamilton. I love Anthony Ramos. I fell in love with him as Mars in the um, the Netflix version of She's Gotta Have It. I, I think he's just magic. Outstanding guest actress in the comedy series. Issa Rae is nominated for her for appearing on a black lady sketch show. So is Yvette Nicole Brown. I, I tried to watch that show first season. I could not. It's not funny. I want to support the black ladies, and I, I, I still support the black ladies, although I don't watch it anymore. I want, I want all black ladies to win, but no. The Emmys look very black, very, very black. I'm excited about them. I'm not going to the show. There should be some parties, but again, I, I may go to D.C. We'll see.
0: Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. When you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A N G I.com.
1: Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day!
0: It's a jaw dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the
1: biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. In other black news, your boy Diddy. I guess his name is Love now. He officially changed his name to Love. Puffy to Diddy to Love. Sean Combs. What does his mama call him? Does his mama call him Sean? She called him Puffy? She called him Diddy? What, what does Mama Combs call her son? I don't know. But her her boy, her son, is out here talking reckless. So the other day, there um, there was a versus with Fat Joe and Ja Rule. I didn't tune in. I'm not the biggest Fat Joe fan. And I respect Ja Rule's contribution to the musical culture. I was a big Ja Rule fan when I was at the clubs in the early 2000s. Ja Rule made some great club music. I don't think I've ever owned a Ja Rule album or single, but I appreciate his contribution, but I had no interest whatsoever in this versus. But it seems that during this versus, Jermaine Dupree said that he thought that he should do a versus with him and Diddy. And Diddy responded very disrespectfully, I thought. He said, um, beloved, which I was like a grown man, calling another grown man beloved is it, it that reads as disrespectful to me I was on a date with a gentleman who called me beloved and I I wanted to throw my drink in his face I think I had other issues with that date like I keep replaying it in my head and I was like I don't really think I liked him like I like him as a person but I don't think I liked him to be on a date with him like I was like I think we just need to remain friends something about beloved doesn't sit right with me but maybe that's just me but Diddy address JD. He said, beloved, you my nigga. But your arm's too short to box with the God. That's disrespectful. i said to somebody, which very publicly, if you've been following me before the podcast, you may know me from, what's the word I want to call it? A previous chapter in my life. It's not the whole book, just the chapter. But a previous chapter in my life, I was on a reality TV show and a woman pissed me off. I started out my sentence and I was like, I was like, you're reaching, because she was, and your arms are too short. She didn't understand that that was a figure of speech and also the title of a Broadway play. I'll leave out my other commentary on that because, you know, it's been a while and I have grown and I'm sure she has as well. So, you know, that was a moment in time. But she thought I was actually talking about the length of her arms and she responded back that my waist was too big, at which point I had some choice words about her jawline. And whether she was a, a cis hetero woman or a trans woman, it wasn't the kindest thing I've ever said. And unfortunately, that moment was recorded and televised worldwide, literally worldwide. I've been to other countries and people be like, aren't you? Yeah, that's neither here nor there. Diddy told JD his arms are too short to box with God. It's fighting words. And when I said it, I knew before it came out my mouth. And if it incited chick to jump over the table and fight me, then I wasn't going to fight her. She tried to jump over the table. I was going to throw hot tea in her face. But I thought about all of this. Like when I said it, I had a plan, but this is what Diddy is saying openly to JD. He says, um, you ain't got enough hits. I'll smash you with just Biggie and Mary, but I do have the utmost respect on you as a musical legend which I was like, are we, are we speaking about the same Jermaine Dupri? But I was like, I, I feel like he's not putting enough respect on Jermaine Dupri's name because Jermaine Dupri, lest we forget, produced for Mariah Carey and Usher and did their biggest songs. Like Jermaine Dupri was a producer on We Belong Together which I had to go look this up because I knew it was a big song, but I didn't know how big. It was number one for 14 consecutive weeks on the Billboard charts. It's the third longest running number one song in U.S. chart history. Billboard named it as song of the decade and the 11th most popular song of all time. It broke airplay records. It topped charts in Australia, Denmark, Ireland, the Netherlands, New Zealand, Scotland, Spain, and the UK. All at the same damn time. Jermaine Dupri did that. He also did Mariah Carey's Shake It Off. Which peaked at number two on the Billboard charts. Only because We Belong Together was number one. He also did Don't Forget About Us which got two Grammy nominations. Put some respect on that man's name. He also produced a bunch of songs on Confessions. He also, before Confessions, he got Usher his number one first single, Nice and Slow. He also produced You Got It Bad. Put some respect on that man's name. Diddy does have Biggie and he does have Mary. He produced most of Mary's big hits. He produced a couple of Biggie's big hits. It's not everything. But the stuff that you actually think that Diddy did, because I went and looked at the discography of his production credits, like you would think like, well, you know, okay, like Diddy did Jodeci. Not really. Dalvin and Devontae did Jodeci. They were the producers on that album. I think in a battle with Diddy and Jermaine Dupri, Diddy would probably win. It's not a landslide. It's not like an automatic. Jermaine Dupri also did Jagged Edge, Let's Get Married and Promise. And I was like, and I love both those songs, but I was like, none of them go up against Jodeci, which is why I went and looked up Diddy's production credits for for Jodeci albums. And that's how I saw that it was all Dalvin and Devontae. And I was like, oh, Diddy is hyping himself. And then Diddy declined to go against JD. And he said, Dre is the only one that can get in the ring with me. I was like, sir, sir, sir. Diddy's first production credits were in like, what, 91, 93? He's got a Jodeci song or two, but not like the great shit, right? Dr. Dre could really just drop his ish from like, I don't know, 86 to like 93 and blow Diddy out. Dr. Dre was the producer for all NWA shit. He was also the producer for Michelle A shit and world class wrecking crew shit. Diddy, I love Mary. I love her. I don't know what Mary has in her catalog that can go up against Michelle A something in my heart. Diddy has a lot in his catalog. But like, what are you putting up against like straight out of Compton? What are you putting up against Doggy style? Dr. Dre produced Snoop's first album. Express yourself. What are you putting up against that? He's also got supersonic. Boys in the hood. Those beats are crazy. A hundred miles and running. Diddy, sir? Deep cover. Nothing but a G thing. Let me ride. You can't fuck with Dre, sir. California love. Diddy, Diddy, you are talented. You are accomplished. Dre. I wish Dre would son Diddy. The way Diddy's son Jermaine Dupree, so he could understand the error of his ways. And I like Diddy. Diddy's music, at least. He is a good producer, but he, he can't fuck with Dre. You need to pipe it down on how you speak about Jermaine Dupree. You need to pipe it down on how you speak to Dr. Dre. You and JD are on the same level, and neither one of y'all are on Dr. Dre's level. I'm just, I'm just saying. You know, Dr. Dre was actually supposed to have done a Versus. Teddy Riley strikes again. Dr. Dre has signed on to do a versus, and then Teddy Riley and Babyface had that versus together. Remember how, like, the audio was like fucking terrible? I was looking this up. Swizz Beats was on the Breakfast Club. This was in March. And he talked about Dr. Dre wanted to do a versus. And he said, Dre watched the versus with Teddy Riley and Babyface, and he heard how bad the sound was. And he was supposed to announce at the end of that versus that he was going to do one. Swiss said that that Dre called and he was like, I can't be a part of this. He said, quote, I can't be a part of nothing that sounds like that. My legacy is quality. I would go cry in the car if somebody said that to me. I can't be a part of what you're doing because my legacy is quality. Which means your shit is shitty. They are trying to get him back, but... You know, when Dr. Dre don't feel like working, he just won't work. He got his Apple money. He got a billion or at least half a billion. I think he had to give up a significant portion of that change in the divorce settlement. But they were married for like 20 some odd years, sir. Like, get that lady her rightful coin and go on about your lives. Did he give her her rightful coin? I don't remember. I remember talking about it, but I don't remember what the outcome was. Mm, I got this other thing on Gabrielle Union. I'm going to save that for next week because it's so damn sad. Gabrielle Union has a new book coming out. Oh, yeah, it just came out. She has a new memoir. I guess we could talk about it very briefly. She has a new memoir to follow up to her last one, which is a New York Times bestseller. This one is called You Got Anything Stronger. It came out on Tuesday. And um, she talks about when her husband then... I guess he wasn't her boyfriend at the time. They broke up. They were on break. She's sticking to the story about the break. But she talks about when she was having fertility issues and Dwayne Wade fathered a child with another woman. And I'm reading for us weekly, she says, quote, to say I was devastated is to pick a word on the low shelf for convenience. I have not had words And even after untold amounts of therapy, I am not sure I have them now, but truth matters. And this happened a while ago. The child is seven at this point. I thought the child was much younger than that, but the child is seven. But she says that when when D. Wade told her that this other woman was pregnant, they were actually trying for their own child and they were engaged following a brief split earlier in the year. And Union says, quote, the experience of Dwayne having a baby so easily while I was unable to left my soul, not just broken into pieces, but shattered into fine dust scattering in the wind. We gathered what we could to slowly remake me into something new. There was no way to disguise where I'd been glued back together. She said she hit rock bottom while trying to conceive. She said, this is so hard to read. I um, I was just never indoctrinated with the idea that in order to be a complete woman, I had to be a mother or even a wife. I remember my mother saying about getting married. She said, everybody should do it once. That was kind of her philosophy on marriage, but it was real like, take it or leave it, try it out if it doesn't work then, you know, then you know, you, then stop doing it. And I didn't know that's what I was going to do like when I got married, I intended to stay such, but then I was also like, okay, like I tried it and I don't think this is for me. And in fairness to my ex-husband, I don't know that it would have worked with anyone. It may have lasted a little longer with somebody else, but I don't know that I'm the marrying type. Like I found uh, operating within the confines and I say confines very intentionally, but I found I didn't like being a wife. I like the expectations that, that I was expected to meet. I I didn't like it at all. I, I had a much better life as a single woman. I found like the, the expectations that people have of, of wives and that they kept putting on me. And then, I mean, and I mean, people outside of my marriage, but then also like the person I was in it with, I, I felt there was one thing that was expected of me as, as a girlfriend or even as a fiance. And that was fine. And then like wife, husband happened. And then it was like, like okay, but now you're a wife. And so like, you can do this and you can't do that. And then when I would say things to other people and I'd be like, yeah, like, this isn't crazy to you. And they were like, well, you know, you're supposed to do what your husband says. What? I've only had one husband. So that's my experience. But then like, I also, you know, just I'm online and I, I I watch and listen, I watch and listen to other people's expectations about, you know, what they intend to do as wives or what they do as wives or or men saying what they expect from a wife. And I was like, I, I don't want to do that. Like I, I did it and I tried it and like it, it, it drove me to the, the brink of sanity. It only took about two and a half years. I was like, I'd rather die than live like this. But I say all that to say. Reading this Us Weekly article about Gabrielle Union's book, she talks about not being able to conceive which I've never wanted kids, and it, I don't think it defines me one way or another. People be like, oh, it's selfish. And I'd be like, and? Are you, are you making a point? Is this something I should care about? She says um, she would say to herself about herself, quote, this woman is such a failure, and she has the nerve to be old, and she has the nerve to have a younger husband, and she has the nerve to stick with a guy who had a kid with somebody else. And she said she realized that her feelings weren't originating from a healthy place. That made me really sad reading that. I actually like choked up a little bit. Like I, I was like, yo, she, she was really hard on herself. I hope that this is a past tense that she doesn't feel this way now. I, I did see quotes from from other articles where she talked about feeling less than because she didn't have a pregnancy because she used a surrogate to conceive their daughter, which I was like, the baby is here. It don't really matter whose coop she came from. Like it's your kid. I do realize that a lot of people don't think that way. Like I've read articles where women, like if you had a natural birth and you're better than people who had a C-section birth. And I was like, y'all sound fucking crazy. But I got really, really sad reading that from Gabby. And I was like, we do such a number on women telling them that there's like this one way to do things or that doing these things like makes you a woman or makes you a better woman than other women. And I just, oh, I just felt really, really bad for her reading that. And she also talks about, she felt like because she couldn't have a biological child that she needed to like let Dwayne Wade go. And I was like, what? But she says of that situation, she said, each day he had worked to be forgiven. And I had chosen to love him and forgive him. And part of this journey of making peace with our love is also making peace with ourselves. She says that their relationship struggles made them stronger. He wouldn't have become the man he desperately wanted to be. And I would not have become the woman I dreamed of being. Okay. She also uh, refers to herself as baby mama number three. And I was like, but you're his wife. He was married, yes, and he had a couple children with his first wife. And then he had a child with a woman that he wasn't married to. And then he got remarried and he had another child with his wife. I've never thought of Gabrielle Union as a baby mama. And she says, I am baby mama number three, a label that is supposed to be an insult. If I'm telling the fullness of our stories of our three lives together, I must tell the truths I live with. I have learned that you can be honest and loving at the same time, one of the things that I really like about myself that I also struggle with about myself is I can forgive. I cannot stay in situations where I feel like I've been betrayed. I can't. And I tried to force myself to do it, and I, I can't get over the feeling of I feel stupid and I'm playing myself. And I've gone to therapy about it because I feel like sometimes I may cut off people or situations that I value, I do, but I'm like, you show me who you are and I can forgive you. I can let go of of the hurt and the anger and I can forgive you, but I just can't engage with you. And I see other people do it. Like this situation, like with with Gabby and D-Wade, and and this is not saying what Gabby or D-Wade should have done. They're their own people. They make the choices that they make. I couldn't do it. And I do wonder sometimes if I'm robbing myself of good experiences because of my inability to do that. Like we talked about Cookie and Magic earlier. Like they had a very rocky start. But 30 years later, like they appeared to be in complete bliss. Same thing with Gabby and D-Wade. They were dating. They were engaged. And then he tells her that he got this other woman pregnant and she forgave him. They stayed engaged. They got married. They've been married for what, like five, six years now. They look happy as shit. Like, am I robbing myself of, of great joy because I can't get over shit or I can't forgive and stay? But sometimes I wish I had the capacity. I feel like I'd have more friends and more relationships, but I guess that's a quantity versus quality thing. I don't know. But sometimes I think about the trade-off. Sometimes I feel, like, very um, alone. And sometimes I wonder, like, maybe I should tolerate a lot more. And then, like, I give people, like, second and third chances. And the times that I've done it, I I feel like the knife just got driven further. Like, not even to the back, into my chest. Like, I signed up willingly and walked forward. And the person who stabbed me just, you know, stabbed me again. So I've just learned through my personal experience not to do it. But it's it's something that, like, I don't know. I, I wish I could... Um, sometimes tolerate a little more than I do. I just, I'm not, I can't speaking of tolerating people. (laughs) There was a big versus the other night, which we spoke about earlier, fat Joe and, uh, and Ja Rule. I wrote about this on Instagram, so I won't go through a full recap of it, but the two of them performed at a versus, I think it was at um, MSG in New York. And Nelly at least has a song with fat Joe. I don't recall if he has a song with Ja Rule. And so when Fat Joe and and Ja Rule announced that they were doing this versus together, Fat Joe said, you know, Nelly hit him immediately and was like, hey, you need me to come through? And he was like, by all means. And obviously, Ja Rule has many songs with Ashanti. But Nelly was at the event and Ashanti was at the event. And as we all know, they dated for a very long time. I want to say it was like... Eight years, nine years, 10 years. Like it was a minute that they were together and they broke up very unceremoniously. But Nelly saw Ashanti, who, who's who been looking fabulous for a while now. Like her body is crazy. But she's been dressing more half naked than usual. We've been seeing a lot of her. She was at the MTV Awards looking like a full snack. She was at the Versus looking like a full snack. Sir Nelly, his eyes do work. He did see Ashanti looking like a full snack. And he he saw her across the room, literally on the other side of the stage. And he got giddy. And there's video of this. He was deciding whether he was going to cross the stage to go speak to her. He hyped himself up. And as Ja Rule and Fat Joe were performing in the middle of a concert with an audience present and millions of people watching on verses. He just strolled right across the stage. Sir, sir was on some Oletta Adams. There are hills and mountains between us. Always something to get over. He got over or across to get to Ashanti. I mean, it was a very casual stroll. Like he took his time. He didn't want to seem too eager. But he got halfway across the stage. And just as he approached Ashanti, he opened up his arms. What's that Jodeci line? My arms are open wide. He opened his arms, and Ashanti did fall into them. She gave him a nice hug. She gave him a little pat on the back. I couldn't figure out what the pat meant initially. But people were very excited because they were a cute couple. I think we liked them together. Although they were rarely public together, I vaguely remember Nelly denying her. And I remember at the time bristling about it, like, ooh. We are not going to spend years of our lives together, and you, you treating me like I'm just the homie? Like, ooh. But Ashanti did a live with Ja Rule and Fat Joe after Versus. And you know how men, men are the biggest gossips. They be talking about women gossiping. He's like, oh, you gossip. You and your girlfriends, y'all get on the phone. Y'all, y'all go out and y'all gossip. Men love gossip. Love gossip. When I need my hot tea, my piping hot tea, I get it from men. They don't always get like all the details. They get enough of the story. I'm like, oh, really? Really, you say? But Fat Joe and Ja Rule and Ashanti, they got on Instagram live and, you know, it was supposed to be to talk about the verses. But all they wanted to talk about was Ashanti and Nelly in this hug. They wanted to know, well, you know, what's happening? What's going on? I think it was Ja Rule he pointed out. He was like, well, you know, Nelly's single now, which I feel so bad for for Nelly's ex, Miss Jackson. Cause her name is like on everybody's lips and they're like, well, you know, Nell- Miss Jackson, like what does Miss Jackson think? What does she think? What does she think about Nellie crossing the stage and and Nellie and Ashanti and people were going to her page and commenting. And I was like, them folks been broken up for like, what, like good, like two, three years, at least two. They might've done a TV project together recently. Maybe it was taped a while ago, but they've been broken up for like a good two years. But I was like, she ain't got nothing to do with Nellie and Ashanti. And I believe from what I heard that she broke up with him. She's good. But people keep talking about her. I'm like, leave that Lady be. She has nothing to do with this conversation. But Fat Joe and Nelly, they were eager. Eager for tea. Thirsty for tea. And Ashanti was like, well, he may be single, but I'm not. Oh, oh. I didn't know she was seeing someone. I mean, not that I know the woman. I did write about Ashanti and Nelly on Facebook. You know, I did one of my little recaps. And I wrote about it like I was describing, like, you know, like a National Geographic situation. Ashanti's publicist texted me to say that she saw it, she, the publicist, and also Ashanti. She said, yeah, we saw it. And she was like, girl, we laughed, we laughed, we laughed, we laughed. And I asked her some questions about Ashanti. She didn't give me no tea, though, which I appreciate, because I was like, you know, she's also been my publicist before. And I was like, I hope when people ask about me, you don't spill my tea. So she didn't spill Ashanti's tea. So I was like, good. I hope that means she ain't telling people about me. She kind of hinted and implied. And then when Ashanti came out later, on the Instagram live and was like, no, I'm in a relationship. The publicist didn't say that, but she was like, no, she's good. And then she came out later and said she was in a relationship. I was like, oh, okay. Ashanti also said that's the first time she's seen Nelly since their breakup. And she strongly hinted that she had been betrayed in that relationship. She said they had a lot of unresolved things to discuss and then Ja Rule and Fat Joe, they didn't want to hear that, which Ashanti also pointed out. And she was like, oh, you want to be all up in my business, but you don't want to hear that part of the business. Men like to do that though. Men don't really like to hold other men accountable. It's very frustrating sometimes when they do that. People who are hoping for an Ashanti Nelly reunion, I would say it's not going to happen, but I did think Ja Rule, Joe asked her, Is there a hope of a reconciliation? Like, is it possible? Could it be? And Ashanti didn't really answer the question. She started talking about something else. So she didn't say no. I don't know who the new boo is. If this is someone she's dating or somebody who's like, you know, locked it down with a title, commitment. I don't know. But I do know Ashanti has been looking very, very beautiful as of late. She looks genuinely happy. I mean, not just like the body. Like she's had the body for a minute. But she looks genuinely happy. Happy, which is probably why Nelly crossed his happy ass across the stage. Exes have a way of knowing, oh, she looks like she's in a good place. Let me come into her life and like ruin that. You know how exes be. Whatever Ashanti thinks is best for Ashanti, that's what I want Ashanti to do. If that's Nelly, okay. If that's somebody else, that's great too. If that's no one else, that's great too. I want Ashanti to do what's best for Ashanti. Last but not least, we need to discuss this uh this Nicki Minaj situation. It's it's uh it's a doozy. Right before the MTV Awards. I guess she was attending. She doesn't have a song out right now, so probably just attending. But she she tweeted that she wouldn't be attending the MTV Awards, and I think she said because she had COVID. This coincided with her husband and father of her child, it's a beautiful child. That child looks exactly like Nikki. That baby is beautiful. The baby is just chunky and lovely and beautiful. But her announcement about the MTV Awards coincided with the announcement that her husband was pleading guilty to not registering as a sex offender in the state of California when they moved here. Pled guilty. He's got sentencing in January. But that happened. She pulled out of the MTV Awards saying that she had COVID. Okay. She also pulled out of the Met Gala. And she tweeted that the Met Gala was requiring people to get vaccinated. And she said, if I get vaccinated, it won't be for the Met. She said, it'll be once I feel I've done enough research and I'm working on that now. Ma'am. Are you an infectious disease expert? What research are you doing? Are you, are you going to watch YouTube? Are you going to run your own clinical trials? What, what is enough research? What does that look like for you? She ends that tweet well enough. She says, in the meantime, my loves, be safe. Wear the mask with two strings that grips your head and face, not that loose one. Here's where she goes left. Left in quotes. She did this intentionally. Nikki tweets about her cousin in Trinidad, who has a friend who became impotent after taking the COVID vaccine. She says his testicles became swollen. Her cousin's friend was weeks away from getting married. And now the woman he was supposed to marry has called off the wedding because he's impotent with swollen balls. And so she tells her readers, she says, so just pray on it and make sure you're comfortable with your decision and not bullied. Nicki Minaj has 22 million followers on Twitter. It's bad enough when people with 10 or 15 followers are spreading misinformation. 22 million people that you're spreading misinformation About COVID too, if you don't want to get vaccinated, I don't like it. I wish everyone would get vaccinated so we can resolve this overcapacity situation with the hospitals so we're not all living under the threat of getting locked down again. I have very selfish reasons for wanting people to get vaccinated. I want us to get back to business as usual at some point. And we're never going to do that as long as so many people refuse to get vaccinated or are spreading misinformation about vaccination. And I say misinformation because the CDC, who I know they're shady on some things, I know, but I actually believe them when they say, quote, Currently, there is no evidence that any vaccines, including COVID-19, cause fertility problems in men or women. There's no studies that have shown that men become impotent or get swollen balls because of the COVID vaccine. And doctors have come out and said about this incident that Nicki Minaj was talking about, The man who was supposed to get married probably cheated and got an STD and needs to see a doctor immediately and that his problems with his balls or getting his dick up has absolutely nothing to do with the COVID vaccine. (sighs) Nikki went and said this shit and it caused a world of problems. Health officials in the Caribbean, including... The Trinidad and Tobago health minister, he got on TV. He did a national address. He said they had to do research and look for this person who had swollen testicles because she told this shit to 22 million people. They did a televised update on Wednesday. He said, quote, as we stand now. There is absolutely no reported such side effect or adverse event of testicular swelling in Trinidad. Unfortunately, we wasted so much time yesterday running down this false claim. I would go hide under a rock if the minister of health from my family's birth country got on the national TV and had to address me As a liar for making false claims and spreading misinformation and telling me how I'd wasted the country's time with the stupid shit I tweeted on the internet. I would shrivel up and die of embarrassment and shame. I asked on Facebook, I was talking about this. I said, what what does Trini speak? Because, you know, Trini people, they got their own words for everything. What is Trini's version of 38 hot? Because that's what the health minister sounded like. The health minister sounded 38 hot having to address Nikki and her ridiculousness in a news conference on air, internationally aired. Somebody in my comments, they said he was vexed. The man was vexed. That's what he was. 38 hot is vexed. I said, okay. Vexed. Nicki Minaj was banned from Twitter over this shit. She said, I'll never tweet again. I'm not using Twitter again. Folks was like, look, don't threaten me with a good time. Joy Reid. Respectable Joy Reid. I'm not speaking of a new Joy Reid. MSNBC Joy Reid. She used to be my editor when I used to write for the Griot years and years and years ago. Joy Reid, who's been actively, vocally, staunchly, appalled by the number of people who won't get vaccinated. She's been talking about that a lot, but she addressed Nikki on her show. She was like, you have a platform sister, of 22 million followers. Okay. She said, I have 2 million. You have 22 million followers on Twitter for you to use your platform to encourage our community to not protect themselves and save their lives. My God, sister, you can do better than that. For you to use your platform to put people in the position of dying from a disease they don't have to die from, oh my God, sister. As a hip-hop fan, as somebody who is your fan, I'm sad that you did that. So sad that you did that, sister. Oh my God. You know what Nikki's response was instead of taking a fucking L and be like, yo, I, I probably fucked up there. Like my bad. Nikki responded to Joy Reed. She says, this is what happens when you're so thirsty to down another black woman by the request of the white man that you didn't bother to read all of my tweets. She says, my God, sister. Do better. Imagine getting your dumb ass on TV a minute after a tweet to spread a false narrative about a black woman. She went on to call Joy Reid an Uncle Tamina. She said she was a lying homophobic coon. Nikki continued, I guess I can join in the reindeer games too, right? People can go on TV and lie on me. I can report on them too, right? It doesn't have to be truth. It can be half truth. Nikki went on to quote Tucker Carlson, which I was like, you know he's a white nationalist, right? Just FYI, if you and a white nationalist share the same point of view, something's probably fucking wrong with your point of view. She didn't see it that way. She went on to tell people, she's like, you know, the White House reached out to me. They invited me to the White House to talk to me about COVID, the White House determined that was a lie. A spokesperson from the White House was like, "Mm, we offered her a phone call. We didn't invite her to come up here, though. That didn't happen. Which I was like, girl, what are you doing? But if you've been paying attention to what else is going on with Nikki, you know what she's doing. We talked about it at the very beginning of this conversation. Nicki Minaj's husband served four years in jail for rape. When he was a teenager, he held another teenager at knife point and raped her. And he went to jail for four years because of that. And also because of that rape, when he moves to a new area, a new state, he has to register to say that he's a sex offender who's living amongst the populace. This is who she married and had a child with. When he moved to California, he didn't do that. The state of California found out he was here and they pressed charges against him. And he pled guilty to those charges recently. Also, there was a BuzzFeed article that came out, I guess earlier this year. I do remember talking about it on here, where the woman that he raped, she talked about all of the measures that had been taken to keep her silent, including Nicki Minaj reaching out to her and offering to pay her off to keep her silent and I think to recant her story, if I remember correctly. That woman in August pressed official charges against Nicki Minaj and her husband. But no one's talking about that because they're talking about Nicki Minaj and COVID and Nicki Minaj and Twitter and Nicki Minaj and Joy Reid and Nicki Minaj and her cousin's friend's balls and Nicki Minaj may or may not have been invited to the White House. Nicki Minaj and MTV, Nicki Minaj pulling out of the Met Gala. Media is talking about all this shit. The White House is talking about it. The Minister of Health in Trinidad is talking about it. High-ranking officials in the UK are being asked about it. Everyone's talking about Nicki Minaj. No one's talking about her predator-ass husband. No one's talking about her trying to pay off this rape victim. Nobody's talking about Nicki Minaj and her brother who was raping his stepdaughter. The girl's goddamn genius. She's up there with little Nas X in terms of marketing prowess. She got people talking about the thing that she wants them to talk about. But they ain't talking about her raping ass husband and his possible 10 year jail sentence. They're not talking about that. I just want Sis to have a point of sale. My friend Geneva, she loves to talk about a point of sale. Anytime somebody's doing something that's like big and popular and splashy, Geneva is like, I am not impressed. The first thing Geneva asked, she says, What is the point of sale? They got all this attention. Everyone's talking. Everyone's looking. What are people clicking on? What are people purchasing? What is all this attention for? I would be very, very disappointed in Nikki if she just used this shit for a distraction because she don't want people to talk about her husband. Ma'am, where's the single? Where's the merch line? Where's the new show? Where's the book? Something. You got the whole damn international community along with the late night host. Along with the mainstream news, everyone's talking about you right now. Ma'am, your point of sale. Where can the public be cutting a check to you? What can they buy? What can they purchase? How will you make USD, dollars, dineros, gains, dividends, and ends off of your name being in everyone's mouth at this moment? That's the podcast for this week, y'all. All right. We will talk again on Tuesday, in the meantime, pop over to the website, DemetriaLLucas.com. The new merch is not up, but if you want to Don't Waste Your Pretty mug because you're ready for your coffee again this fall, they're available. If you didn't get your Don't Waste Your Pretty tees or Vs or sweatshirts, I think we have T's and V's in almost every color. I think we still have like at least one or two of every size. So thank you, as always, for listening. We'll talk again on Tuesday. Okay. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.